Hello, friends. You know that Marvel is full of light, happy things, but that when Paul and I go into the DC universe, we are talking grittiness. We are talking darkness. We are talking about deep morals, questions of the soul, as our characters wrestle with their godlike status. And so today, we are bringing all of our dark grittiness to discuss the new DC movie out, Super Pets. All that more after a commercial break that I hope isn't for dog food. Super Pets! <laughs> Welcome back. I'm Matthew, your host. Uh, I'm joined by Mr. Paul Hoppy. Paul, how are we doing? Doing good today. Yeah. Uh, to our listeners out there, if you've seen Super Pets, or even if you haven't, if you know a little bit about the marketing campaign, you probably could guess that that uh, uh, entry into the podcast was a tad felonious. This was actually a fairly light uh, uh, movie, but it actually hit pretty hard in some places and was a lot – honestly, it was a lot better than I had any right to expect it to be and brought up some interesting questions that I'm looking forward to talking about. So, Paul, let's just kind of dive right into it. Um what what was kind of your thought going into this movie, and what was your thought coming out? Yeah, um, my my thought going in was cautiousness, and <laughs> mi- you know mixed with a little bit of hope. And uh-huh. my thought coming out was was basically the same. You know, yeah, it I felt like it delivered pretty much what I expected. You know, a, a combination of some of the things that I expected and uh, did not like, and then a lot of actually what I would hope for and and stuff that I did like. And right. it definitely, you know, it's animated. It's about talking animals, although they don't talk in a mm-hmm. way that humans can understand. They talk to one another. Um, but, I mean, I, I think it's, like, it definitely deals with what I feel are more serious issues than, like, the Justice League. Like, either yeah. version of the movie, you know. <laughs> uh, like, it, it's not visually dark, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, like, there are some really heartbreaking character oh, moments. Yeah. I, I was cutting onions at one point in this movie. Yeah. Like, it definitely hit pretty hard. As a way of framing this, because I think it is, like, there's a level of analysis that I think I'm going to bring, and I certainly think you're going to bring as well, that I don't expect the movie wanted us to be bringing, but I think it's worth getting into, which is that, um, you know, the whole question about how do humans treat animals in, when it co- you know comes to pets and things like that. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious, just as kind of a, a starting point, for you as a vegan who has very strong feelings about the way humans treat animals in terms of seeing them as, you know, food or using them for clothing or any of that kind of stuff, what's your take on on the idea of pets in general? I'm going to reference a line from Appa's Lost Days, which is one of my favorite episodes of anything ever. It's an episode of Avatar yeah. The Last Airbender. It's it's about Aang's friend, Appa, who's a sky bison, yeah. who gets kidnapped and then abused and then escapes and then gets kidnapped again. And it's, I just rewatched it actually. And it's like very sad, but also feels very real. And there's a line in it where one of the airbenders, um, you know, who spoilers eventually gets genocided, um, says to Aang and other young airbenders, a sky bison is a companion for life. And Mm. I think, the difference between a companion who you care for and, you know, some people consider this like a dog parent, right? Right. Like this is a kid and, yeah. um, and you're taking care Cats of them. Cats as well. Certainly you get that. Hmm? 
With cats, cats as well, as well. Yes. Yeah, a lot yeah. of household pets. Yeah, I, I think a cat generally is more someone who lives where you live and tells you what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, parents of teenagers would tell me that that's exactly what right, that is. Right, exactly. You're yeah, still yeah, paying yeah, yeah. their rent and their food. Yeah, in cats their act like teenagers but, more. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Although, again, this is generalizing. Like, I've. I've known cats who've been very stereotypically doggish, and I've known dogs who are yeah. much more sort of stereotypically cattish, right? Um, but you know, the idea of is is a pet is pet a word you're using to refer to like someone you own, or mm-hmm. like really look at in this like oh they're so cute blah blah blah, but like you don't really take them seriously on any level. Or is this, like, someone you're caring for and, you know, you understand that, like, yeah, just out on the street, like, they're they're probably not going to do so well. Maybe they will. Um, you know, I had a neighbor two places ago where um, there was a cat named Midnight who lived in the neighborhood who, you know, you could say was th- this person's cat, right? But, like, right. I wouldn't say this was this person's cat and I wouldn't say... This person would say this was their cat, uh, particularly mm-hmm. because of the way they they phrased something. Um, it was like a sort of outdoor indoor cat, right? And I would say that yeah. that was that cat's person, <laughs> you know. And yeah. like the the the, uh, the person said to me, um, "Well, Midnight used to live in the house, but then he decided to live outside. Uh-huh. Like, you know, she just had the door open, and like either the cat decided." The cat wanted to live indoors or the cat decided mm-hmm. the cat wanted to live outdoors. Either way, it had a place that it could live, you know, um, and it was like always welcome back and, and fed and um, was really just a, a delightful cat. Like it's just yeah. a giant black cat who was like super friendly. Like I'd be walking down the street and then just like run up to me, you know, yeah. which is like that's like a very stereotypically like what you think of how a dog might behave. Yeah, but, exactly. Like, that's definitely um, I mean, my the, the first cat. And when I say my cat, right. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, like the way I say my friend or my mom, right? you know, um, or my wife, where like some people, you know, maybe they mean that possessively, like, oh, this is my person. But it's like, no, I just mean like, you know, that's the, the relationship. Um, but, you know, the first cat that, I mean, there, my mom had and dad had a, a cat and a dog when I was born, but then they both died when I was um, two or three. And they, they were both like 17, 18. They lived, you know, long, full mm-hmm. lives. Um, but then our neighbors found this alley cat and like just on the street, you know, and, and asked us if we wanted to, to, you know, have her be our cat, have her live in our house. Mm -hmm. And I, I named her Paul Christopher Hoppy Cat, which I think demonstrates my very early, um, narcissism and disregard of gender norms. Uh, Uh I like it. (laughs) And then, you know, we got shortened to PCH cat and then I would just call her cat. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, you know, she was just this like badass, like really like mean to most people or dogs that she'd mean or like Mm -hmm. not like mean, mean, but just like, you know, tough. Right. Right. Like like a New Yorker. (laughs) But like, Mm -hmm. you know, I would come in and she just like run up to me and like she would like, you know, run over to sit like where I was sitting and um and like follow me around, you know, and and I wasn't even the one who was feeding her, right? Often right. that's like whoever's whoever's feeding uh, a cat or a dog or whatever other animal. That's you know that's a person who's going to get a certain amount of um, attention. But yeah, so I think the idea of pets is like it's one of those words that can be used in in different ways, right? Right. And so within the context of this movie, like this is called DC Super Pets, 
But like mm-hmm. really only crypto is like a pet at the beginning. And yeah. I would say that the way that that relationship works between Clark and crypto is they're best friends, you know? Yeah. Like really. And I don't think, you know, Superman thinks like he owns crypto. It's like, no, crypto's his best bud from infancy, literally. Right. Yeah. So like, given that so much of the movie centers around, you know, him developing a new girlfriend, uh, uh, you know, uh, Clark getting more serious with his girlfriend yeah. and crypto being feeling left out. Like every high school TV show has had that kind of scene where, you know, the two guy best friends, uh, two people of any gender who are best friends. And then one of them starts dating someone mm-hmm. else or just develops a new hobby or whatever it is. Right. And that other person feels like, oh, you don't have time for a relationship anymore. Like, exactly. yeah. And it, it, like, cause in some ways it was like, he does kind of treat him like a pet in like the, the, the taking for granted way a little bit, but no, it actually, yeah. no, it's just, it's not really taking for, A, it's not really taking for granted, except on some levels, but also it's just like, yeah, people do that to each other all the time. Right, exactly. And on both sides, both in terms of the like, oh, hey, like maybe you should have said something about how things are going to change, but also like, yeah, maybe you're feeling very possessive of this person and your dynamic in a way that's not really healthy for either of you. Right, exactly. Um, and yeah, I'd like to circle back to that very uh-huh. quickly. I just want to say like yeah. one more thing on and the concept of pets and like I mean you have things like puppy mills and mm-hmm. you know people specifically breed dogs or other animals for being you know sold and like I think that's disgusting. And yeah. there's tons of of you know dogs and cats and whatever other animals without homes, you know, who it's like aren't specifically created by humans to be a commodity for other humans. And so it's like, if if you want to have a cat or a dog or whatever other animal in your life, like just just take take care of one of them, you know? Yeah. It, it would be like, yeah, I'm not gonna make a, a parallel to like humans and, and um, creating more humans and whatever. But like, you know, the point being just like, there's a lot of animals yeah. in need of a home and love. And it's like- I, I mean, I actually will compare it to humans a little bit because I think in terms of like the, the term commodification that you used yeah. I think matters a whole lot in terms of like, okay, is this about you wanting to bring another living sentient being into your life? Or we can argue about like sentience and what that means, but like, you know, an intelligent, you know, yeah. a, 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 animals a are living, sentient. I, yeah. I just, I, yeah. A, a living, a living being that has agency and understanding and intelligence for sure. And, and sentience, yeah, maybe appropriate. I think I, I it, hear so many different definitions of that word, but, but yeah. Um, uh, yeah, sentience is probably just appropriate Sentience word. literally means the ability to feel, right? Like okay. to feel emotions. Yeah. And it is sometimes used as like meeting human-like intelligence, which right. I think is just a misuse of the word. So That's fair. That's okay. So yeah, so like if there's the like having a pet that is like thinking of it in that terms. And then there is the like, yeah, this is a commodity. And where right. it's like I want to be able to like go to dog shows and show it off. Or I want to have this like very popular breed that's like considered this. Or I want to have like – you know, and I think that like there's an there's a level of like wanting to sort of like very much tailor this new living intelligent creature you're bringing into your life to fit very specific ideas. Where the more you're doing that, the less you're going to be open to this other being wanting to do other things. Yeah, and that's absolutely a thing that parents do yeah, with children. For sure. You know, and that's absolutely a thing that people do with with romantic partners and sexual partners, especially yeah. in terms of like, you know, when someone's like locked into, I want a blonde who's this tall and like, you know, right. this size or whatever. You know, it's like, yeah, it, it's and that. 
when, when you're when you're saying I want this other living being in my life and putting those kind of very strict restrictions on it, like, yeah, you are kind of treating it more like a commodity, you know, that that has to check off boxes instead of just being open to being surprised by, hey, this cat now wants to live outdoors. OK, well, maybe I'd love it to be in my house all the time, but it doesn't want that. So I'm going to adjust to their reality yeah. as much as my own. Yeah. And like if you live in New York, I think that's. You know, like in Manhattan, that's like a less reasonable choice to basically... Yeah. It's like you wouldn't let your three-year-old kids just like go out and play on the street, right? Right, But yeah. like, you know, if if you're in a little cul-de-sac in Northern California, it's like, you know, the cat wants to live outside. The cat probably knows how to, to get around mm-hmm. and not get run over by cars, you know? Right. Um, although at the same time, it's like you could make an argument that like you're afraid of that for them. And okay, you know, that's... You, yep. it, you can't have that conversation, like, in human words the same way you can, right, with, like... With, right. But but also, like, with a three-year-old, you might not be able to explain it the same way that you could to, like, a five-year-old or a ten-year-old, right? Yeah, I think it's very true. So, so, so okay, so so with that kind of establishment, yeah. I think we started to talk about our thoughts on the movie. But, yeah, let's go into... Let's, let's first talk about, like, what are things you really enjoyed about the movie? So, first of all, just the premise of a movie where the protagonists are non-human animals is just mm-hmm. always a positive to me, right? Yeah. Like, that's – it's representation, you know? Yeah. Um, I will contrast this with something like Appa's Lost Days where here, you know, the 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 animals are all speaking in English to one another, right? Right. Um, or other languages depending on what, what dub you, you listen to. But um, – so, you know, they're, they're not meant to be actual representations of how, exactly how, like – Right. Our, our earth animals like behave right um, especially because like people can get into questions about like how much do animals within their own species communicate with each other and i think mm-hmm. there's some arguments that yeah there are like a lot more language things than we thought yeah um but like in this movie like turtles and cats and dogs and hamsters and jer- guinea pigs are all communicating quite easily to each other so yeah. that's yeah, especially to me where it's like conversations in yeah. <laughs> with english grammar and everything right uh-huh. so yeah um and and yeah, so like that's not you know. Whereas Appa's Lost Days is like, I mean, granted, Appa is an airbender, right, and right. can suck cabbages out of the cart from from where he's imprisoned, <laughs> <laughs> which is fantastic. But um, but it definitely you know Appa there feels more like an actual non-human animal. How how they would perceive the world and interact with the world and of course we can't know exactly because we we don't have like direct accounts but that that feels more like a you know they like just took they took a non-human animal character and they're like we're gonna have this be the protagonist of this episode and so like that's like to me that's like on another level here this is they're basically anthropomorphizing right they're they're like Mm -hmm. saying well what if these animals were more exactly like humans and so I think that makes it easier for people to relate to, right? And, mm-hmm. um, but on the other hand, it also, I'm not saying that this movie would have been better if it, if it did it differently, but I think um, it, I think it can have a little bit of the message of like, well, these animals are worthy of like respect and life and, mm-hmm. and care because they're like people, right? Right. And it's like, I, I don't, I don't think, animals have to be like humans to like, I don't think that's the reason mm-hmm. that their lives have value because like the right. more they are like humans. Right. Um, but like, I think they, they have interesting relationships. I think, um, can, can I actually break in about the communication thing? Yeah, I do. I, I definitely had some thoughts along that line. There were two things I think that for me helped a lot. 
one of which was the idea that they could communicate freely with each other and they could understand humans. Oh, yeah. But humans couldn't understand them, mm-hmm. which in some ways, like, they're actually now better communicators than humans in That's some true. ways in that, like, they can understand that, like, the understanding can go that way. Um, and I also feel like I really appreciated that the communication with each other wasn't tied directly to superpowers. Oh, like, yeah. If, if, like, you know, um, Ace hadn't been able to talk to, to Crypto until Ace got those powers, yeah. I think I would have been like, oh, there's something weird here. Like, like, like look, these are, like, like, super pets, exactly that. Yeah, yeah. But part of it was like, no, no, no. Long before they get powers, they're all communicating. Long before uh, Lulu got her powers, she was able to, like, develop a crush and develop a secret plan and yeah. basically become Pinky, just, you know, like, <laughs> without her brain. Uh, I'm sorry, become the brain without Pinky. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, anyway, so just want to throw those out and then go on. Uh, yeah, totally. Um, and, I, you know, I, I'd say I, I probably identified less with, like, Crypto than with Ace. Um, uh-huh. who I, I just thought Ace's backstory was fantastic, you know, so good. of like basically Ace uh, got adopted by this family and had a really great relationship with the kid uh, who's very little and, the, and you know, pre-verbal, right? Yeah. And then the kid's about to walk down these stairs and Ace, you know... I, I think fall down the stairs is the appropriate phrasing. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> is, is walking towards the edge of the staircase and is about mm-hmm. to go fall over. And Ace grabs the kid with, you know, with with his mouth. Because it's like, mm-hmm. that's... Well, I mean, doesn't have fingers, right? So... Yeah. Um, and, and pulls the kid back from tumbling over. And the parents are... And the kid's crying because it almost fell over, over the steps. And then the parents mm-hmm. are like, oh, this dog bit our kid and we're going to get rid of him. And I, I think, you know, I think that is a real challenge, right? Like when you have a dog and a little kid and neither of them can you really fully communicate with verbally, right? Like right. you can try and, and I'm sure there are better ways and worse ways to, to handle that. Um, I mean, I, I, I for a long time had a scar on my nose from, you know, the, mm-hmm. the uh, aforementioned dog Woody who, you know, when I... And it's like, it was my own fault, but also I was right. like two, you know, but like, I yeah. just stuck my face in, in you know, this dog's no mm-hmm. face. And he's like, what are you doing? You know, yeah. get your face out of my face. And it wasn't like a, a terrible bite and it wasn't horrible. Um, mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I mean, that happens, you know? And so yeah. it's, it's frustrating that the parents were then just like, oh, let's just get rid of the dog as opposed to like, try to find some other solution. But, right. um, but then the, the thing that's so like, I think powerful is like later on when um when Ace is like, you know, if I had it to, like it was the worst day of my life, but also if I had it to do over again, I, I would just do the same thing. Right. Yeah, cause, I mean, it is clearly he has that kind of desire to be a hero and it's yeah. far and away the most heroic thing he's done. Right. Know? I mean, he literally he quite likely saved a life or at least yeah. saved someone from being very badly hurt. Yeah. And yeah, I thought the, that was definitely the moment that I most teared up and the way it was handled was so beautiful because I think it's easy to tell that story in a way that the family appears like super awful, terrible parents who didn't deserve this dog and, you know, are going to harm the kid, but they're not. It's exactly what you're talking about. And like, I have good friends who were utterly heartbroken when just like their dog or cat just didn't get along with the baby that came into the house Mm. or with an already existing pet. Like, you know, you, you have a cat, you bring home another cat and the two of them are just, they cannot get along. Yeah. And 
you know, a lot of them try to do things like, you know, take the, you know, like you can do like, especially with dogs, you can do some kind of like help training to help them get used to someone new in the house. But sometimes they had to make that decision. And yeah, the way I think that was to me, the, and, and again, that's also where I was sort of like the dog understands more about what Ace understands more about what happened in that situation than the parents do yeah. because the parents can't. And like, yeah, you can say maybe they could have had more curiosity and try to but like, how are they ever, how are they going to actually put those pieces together? Neither the baby nor the, the well, dog is going to be able to really like tell them that. Yeah. To me, um, it's, it's less about reconstructing what actually happened and, and figuring that out. Cause like, I totally understand. Yeah. They, they can't maybe, right. Yeah. Maybe they're unable to do that, but, but having some amount of compassion and understanding that like, you know, this doesn't necessarily have to be a repeated event. This might be right. some particular circumstance and maybe there's some way of yeah. of handling things. And maybe like don't let your baby walk around with just like a staircase that they can fall down. Like, you yeah, know, put a gate. There's a put it just they, exactly. There's a thing called baby proofing. They, yeah. they didn't read those books <laughs> <laughs> as well as like because I think the, the other thing that I struck me really hard. And I think this was intentional, but I'm curious how you thought about mm. it, was that sort of like the the, the 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 pet shop that all those animals were in. Right. Because, they, I mean, that's where they, it looks like they're in prisons. You know, they're all in these tiny yeah, cages. They they're all fairly sad. Yeah. They're not getting much attention. And there, there's a lot, there's definitely a sort of sense of like, oh, yeah, the cute cat's going to get adopted far yeah. before we are, which there's probably some truth to. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, humans have different loves of different kind of animals. And like, that, that's a thing. But it's definitely, there's stuff going on there. But like... Yeah, and again, like, to me, the parents, like, in the situations I'm talking about, generally it's not, oh, hey, let me just walk this dog down to the pound. It's, right. hey, here's a Facebook post to my close friends who I trust. Do any of you want a wonderful dog or a wonderful cat? I want to find it a really good home. Like, I get that if you do that, there's there's no story. But I definitely have, like, if, if I judge the parents for anything, it's that they didn't, like, they didn't try to rehome Ace in a good situation. It's just, okay, he bit the kid. Right. Because I think that is a little bit of the, like, once the dog is no longer a welcome member of the family, well, the dog doesn't have a feelings. It doesn't have – we're not going to be concerned about the pet. Right. They don't They don't treat him like a person who needs a new home. They're just like, mm-hmm. oh, we'll just get rid of him. Um, yeah. And, I mean, there's worse ways to get rid of a dog, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, the fact that it's a pet store as opposed to, like, a shelter is also a little bit interesting, right? Like, I think they're selling those pets. I'm not sure. It's like a little, yeah. a little unclear. We don't. I don't think we see any, you know, financial transactions taking place. Mm-hmm. But um, my mom ended up with six cats at one yeah. point in life, right? And that was because I would say two of them had been kind of my cats. That like it was, it was my idea to to you know take take in these cats from mm-hmm. um, both from people we knew, right? I mean, we knew people. One in our building, one an ex girlfriend who had these cats, and like for whatever reason, weren't, weren't going to keep them. And so I was like, well, we need to take care of them. Right. So then of course my mom ends up taking care of them because, you know, I'm a awful teenager and, you know, um, mm-hmm. just like at, at some point I was like, I'm not going to have cats in, in my, you know, in my house because at that age, I, I just didn't feel like I was going to do a good job of taking care of them, you know, right. um, as like a, a young adult and, um, but so I basically end up dumping these two cats on my mom, you know, in terms uh-huh. of like, I mean, they, they also became more attached to her. And one of them ended up yeah. being like, I think her 
second favorite person in the world ever after me. Um, That's but right. but maybe 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 first. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hi mom. Uh, but yeah, that was that was Mr. Suki, and then okay. and Luna, and then there were four other cats, two of whom which were her her sister's cats, and then two of whom were her brother's cats. And her sister and her brother both died within a year, which was obviously horrible. Um, right. And then my mom ended up taking all the cats. And so she had six cats. And the thing was, two of the other cats, one of her her brother's cats and one of her sister's cats, did not get along with like any other cats except for the one that they had been paired with, right? So it was like a brother-sister mm-hmm. duo, and the sister of that duo just was like mean to everybody. And then there was another two cats that were her 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 sister's cats, my mom's sister's cats, my aunt's cats. And mm-hmm. one of them was like really just the sweetest little cat I've ever seen. That was Miss Suki. Um, and then there was this cat, Annie, who was just like so possessive. Right, like mm-hmm. this is my person. You like you would go pet one cat, and then she'd come and stick her head between their head and your hand, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so she couldn't keep like she for a while lived in a house, and like had all these cats in different rooms, you know. Yeah. But like for one, like cats don't love being stuck in a room most of the time, and mm-hmm. for two, it's just like you know she wasn't going to continue living alone in this house with enough rooms to keep all these sets of cats so she ended up you know um uh giving two of the cats to some you know the some childhood friends of mine right or the father of a a childhood friend who took care of them until you know they they lived to like one of them lived to 19 you know which for a cat and was like a healthy 19 year old cat also another beautiful big black cat who you know Mm -hmm. bart um and and I guess I should name Lily. That was Bart's sister. And so, like, okay. you know, she was able to help find those cats, like, directly find, you know, a happy home for them. And, like, yeah. I don't think they could have been more well taken care of than they were, you know. And, I mean, they were extremely loved. And um, and so it's, like, if you're just, like, I can't take care of these animals, mm-hmm. I, I do think there's, like, if you decided to take care of them, it's up to you to, like, try and find a real a yeah. home for them, right? Um, and, and so, yeah, I would say long-windedly, you know, those parents could have definitely done a better job of that. Uh, You know, on the other hand, maybe you just moved to a new city, you know, literally no one. And like, you know, maybe your life story is just like, yeah, I don't, I don't have anybody that I trust on that level. And then it's like, I don't know what you do. Cause also like the dog is probably not going to realize that they're doing that. You know, if they are like sending emails and messages and, you know. So yeah, it, it, there's yeah, a lot of. Although I mean, if it is someone you know, then you can still go visit them, right? And you can kind right. of help them adjust and stuff like that. And and so I do think that there's there's something there. But yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So um, so I I kind of sort of jump you and miss my own stuff, but back to you, kind of like things that you you really liked about the movie, um, or that you, like it brought interesting questions you wanted to get into. Yeah, I mean that was like the main thing. You know, I'll circle back now to what you were saying about sort of crypto. And um, and Clark's relationship, mm-hmm. you know, where yeah. there is that, like, they're best friends. And then then there's a woman, you know. And, yeah. like, this is this is an age-old story, right? And it, it doesn't have to be, like, two male friends and then a woman. It can be, like, mm-hmm. it can be any combination of, of any genders, right? But, like, yeah. and, I, and, I mean, I've had that exact configuration before. And then I've also mm-hmm. had, like, um, you know, a group of friends... And then met another group of friends and been like, yeah, I, I'm just going to be friends with anybody. What's the problem? And then yeah. the original friends or some of them were like, 
this is, you know, you've deserted us. And I'm like, what do you mean deserted you? Like, we're still friends. But then we yeah. weren't friends because they decided I couldn't be friends with everybody, right? And it's like, it, it is, it, it, it's difficult, you know? And that's yeah. just, that's a real thing. Like, whether it's jealousy or whether it's sort of possessiveness over someone else's time. But like, mm -hmm. you know, there also is a reality to the situation of like, yeah, you know, when when you meet someone new or you get another interest or whatever, like, you probably are going to have less time for whatever else there was before, right? right? There's only so many hours, frustratingly. And, yeah. and so, I mean, yeah, it just felt like a very real um, kind of issue for, sure. for, for people to be dealing with. I mean, as you can imagine, this is something that comes up in polyamory all the time. Right, I'm sure. But one thing that I think some of the, the some of the readings and cre content creators who are poly who I really love the most are very clear on is that, like, no, actually, like, yes, in poly, we become the most aware of it, but it happens all the time, you know, mm -hmm. and it's anything from like, hey, I'm starting this new job or and now I'll be like less likely to be able to like do this other thing with you or like any kind of thing like that. And I think where I come down on is, yeah, like you, I've been on both sides. Of, well, I, I at least have been on I've been on both sides of this. I think you were talking about being on kind of one one side. I don't know how much you've ever felt on the other. Um yeah. And I think definitely, like, at different times in my life, can where my insecurity is where I think I've handled it better or worse. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, to me, I look at that situation, and I think that both of them are doing something a little bit wrong. Like, both of them are a little bit at fault. Okay. And what I mean there is because I think crypto, yes, there is much more. And, and in some ways, I'm kind of more – it's more crypto, I think, who has to go through the growth because of, like, he has no interest – like – Clark wants to meet other people. He wants to develop other interests. Yeah. He wants to have a girlfriend. He wants to have the job. Crypto wants the two of them just kind of like what you were saying, like, no, no new friends. Like, right. be locked in with the two of us forever, yeah. which is very unhealthy. I think, though, that... I don't think it has to be. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. If it's what both people want, I think it, that's fine. If right. it's what one person wants and not what the other person wants, obviously, then you have a problem. And I think if it's, if it's what both person wants because one of them is very afraid – one or both of them are deeply afraid of change and are deeply afraid of like, – like, like I think there's a way to make it healthy for sure. But there's also a lot of ways to make it unhealthy. Sure. Um, but putting all that aside, to me, it's the like – you know, like I'll give you an example. Recently, um, one of my partners, um, her job changed somewhat uh, and so she's now working different hours. Mm -hmm. And – you know, one of the things we talked about, and, and also she's she started uh, joining a bingo league, you know, mm. which is awesome and great. And like, you know, but it realized like she was playing bingo now on a night that often we would do things together, like right. virtually or something like yeah. that. And, you know, she was very conscientious about being like, hey, just so you know, I'm going to start doing this bingo thing more. And so actually like, you know, it's not, I'm not like asking your permission, but letting you know, our regular Tuesday plans are going to change somewhat. So maybe we should do something a little bit different, you know? Right. And in the same way, like every time you and I have changed our recording date, if I had kind of a standing plan on that night, and I think that's the, if there's anything Clark does wrong, I think it's that it never occurs to him that crypto now is invested in the idea of Thursday night is movie night. Right. And thus that crypto would be disappointed that it's now not happening. Yeah. You know? And it's that, it's that kind of like, I think both are really important. I think, like, for crypto being so possessive of it, but also for Clark be and I mean, part of the conceit to the movie, I think, is that dogs have no. Most humans don't think a dog will understand if they say, "Hey, we're not going to do movie night on Tuesdays anymore, but don't worry, I'll still make time to f to watch something with you." Like, but I think that's kind of the point: is that like, you know, maybe we as humans don't like I, like not. 
I'm getting very lost in the thought here because it's not that I'm saying sure. that I think actual dogs would understand that level of yeah, understanding, yeah, yeah. but I think certainly in human to human contact, having that level of respect for, hey, we're changing plans and I just want to make sure you know, and this isn't because I like you less or anything, but then also with, um, you know, with animals that like, yeah, we, I think there's a lot of things that we do that change the lives of animals around us quite a bit that we don't always take into full consideration how this is going to change things for them. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I pretty much totally agree with all of that. I, I think with like when it comes to animals who, you know, aren't going to understand your full grammatic sentence. Right. Like, I mean, right. I think often animals do understand a lot of words. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, don't, don't quite have the same models for grammar that, that humans do in, in the brain. Right? right. Um, and I think there are ways that you can be like, okay, I know that this is going to change things, you know, for my, my animal companion. Right. And so in understanding that I'm going to try and maybe make sure that I, you know, give a little bit more affection and attention um, at, at certain other times. Right. Like if this, this usual schedule is what it is, if, you know, just understanding like when you're changing something in their life and, and seeing kind of what you can do to kind of like, um, uh, mitigate whatever, you know, sort of downsides mm-hmm. there might be of that. I have a friend who has a dog who I was actually talking to about this movie, and and he actually told me a story about how, you know, it used to be that he was working from home, and so he would, um, you know, take his dog out for, like, you know, a run and, and some playtime as, like, his lunch break every day during the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And then he got transferred. He, he got a new job, which meant he had to go into the office again. Right. So he's, he planned this intentionally, that like a week before he had to start going to the office, he started doing a morning, like take mm. the dog out for a run yeah. and some playtime. Yeah. So that the dog then got used to that. Like he, for a week, he was doing both times and then started to like slowly stop doing the right. the, the afternoon one. Because yeah. now the dog was already used to like a new thing. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a great, very thoughtful way of of approaching something like that. Because, you know, I mean, there's truth to like when our lives change, it's not always fully you know within our own control right i mean yeah. personally like i i've made i'm like constructing major changes for like the next month you know yeah and like possibly longer than that and you know but and i i it probably probably would have been better to do farther in advance and kind of like figure mm-hmm. out exactly how to go about that but like i did try to make sure that like you know the, the study groups that i was like look i this isn't what I need to be doing right now, but like right. I very much appreciate all of your US people and like our interactions and you know they've they've been helpful for me in the past, but like I need to do this other thing now. But like right. I want to be clear that that's not like, you know, because because I don't like you or because like I don't think there's value in it. It's just like it's not what I need to do now, you know. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and, and the, you know, that's like every time I've moved, I've off. That's often the conversation I've had, especially if I have partners or really good friends in the city I'm moving out of. You know, it's like, hey, this is a new situation for me, but it doesn't. It the the legit. I often feel like there's a, a very big difference in like, what are the logistics of our ability to do fun things together mm-hmm. versus what's the emotion that we feel and the enjoyment we get out of it. And right. Like, you know, reassuring people, animals, whatever it is, those aren't the same. Um, so there was some superheroes in this movie. There were. <laughs> we should, like, there were. And we, supervillains. We, we can talk a long time about just like the psychology of human and pet relationships, but let's talk about some superpowers and I, some supervillains. Can we start with the supervillain? Yeah. Yeah. She was so like, good. 
Lulu. I think she's the best, like, of the, like, of most of the DC stuff that I know. Yeah. Like, putting aside the new Batman movie, she's one of the best DC villains I've seen in a while in terms of, like, having some real motivations that are understandable. And, like, like I'm thinking of, like, uh, you know, uh, who was it in Justice League? Uh, Steppenwolf. Like he just oh the movie wants to twirl his mustache. Um, he was a middle manager who wanted to please his boss in the second yeah. one and the original, and he just wanted to conquer the world because Ares wants war because he's the god of war and Ra war, and then the 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 other guy in in Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four I think just yeah he wanted to prove that Wonder Woman couldn't have it all or, yeah um yeah like I, I'll I mean I'll actually uh, just. On the subject of DC villains, I mean, I think animated DC villains have historically been fantastic. And Fair. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm talking more about the... Yeah, I, yeah. I think I'm comparing and this to the other, like, in theaters uh, big I think DCEU DC has definitely yes. lowered the bar for DC <laughs> villains. Like, yeah. I mean, if we think about, you know, like, all the Jokers have... I mean, yeah. okay, you can say what you want about the Jared Leto Joker. But basically, every other Joker, I think, is almost universally, like at least appreciated on some levels, you know? Yeah. And um, that character is written as just having fantastic motivations. You know? well, well, or as fantastic, a fantastic not lack have, yeah. of motivation in a, yeah, just like yeah. the Joker's just the Joker. But like Lex also, I think often, like in the Justice League animated series is fantastic. Yeah. In Batman versus Superman, maybe less fantastic, well, you know? <laughs> yeah. But like, let's. I think the thing that I like so much about her is she has all of the con- and the act the uh Kate Kate McKinnon, um, Kate McKinnon, McKinnon thank you. Yeah. yeah. Her comedic timing is brilliant and she she's chewing scenery right left and center. She gives you all like a mustache twirling villain in a sillier movie can be a lot of fun if yes. they're just clearly like loving that role. Yeah. And they they kind of gave us the best parts of a mustache twirling villain. But then also in like two sentences and 10 seconds of flashback Gave her a very legitimate motivation, which is right. she's a guinea pig that was being tested on in some horrible ways yeah. and, like, dealt with that trauma. She basically trauma bonded and had Stockholm Syndrome with her torturer. Yeah. And then, and like. they were working together for science. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, and then when, as I, I, I commented to you, uh, you know, he <laughs> had his uh, sudden but inevitable betrayal. Right. Um, yeah. She returned. She became, like, now, like, jilted lover as well. Right. As, like, but still a know, villain. Right, yeah, like she didn't very stop much a being a villain. She wasn't like, "Oh no, I will now have my hero turn and save yeah. everyone from Lex." She's like, "No, just screw Lex too." You know, yeah. you're all. <laughs> and then she ends up teaming up with Mercy at the end, and they're both like, "Screw Lex." That's exactly, exactly. Which I, I just thought all of that was perfect. I th- I think McKate uh, Kinnon, Kate. <laughs> Kate McKinnon is like one of the funniest people on earth, and Agreed. she's just perfect in this role. Um, yeah, and, and just, I don't know, an evil, hairless guinea pig. Like, it's just, you know, who, who are... so good. And then <laughs> the way they... Neither from guinea, but... <laughs> they turned all of, those, all of those other guinea pigs into her, like, soldiers. Yeah, yeah. And then all of them were at first just ridiculous and funny, but then all of them wound up getting to have some kind of stories. Like, one of them kept studying Spanish, and two right. of them teamed up with heroes as, again, I think, at the end of the movie, the way all the heroes ado- adopted a pet, yeah. a- adopted an animal... But I think very much as companions, as like crime fighting buddies, right. not yeah, as, exactly. Which is just again so well done. Yeah, for sure. 
And like, you know, there's an angle you could look at and be like, well, they're just, be, you know, exploiting the the powers of the, mm-hmm. you know, the the super pets. But like, it, it actually, the movie has a lot of heart. And I do feel like there are actual connections, you know, yeah. between the characters and, and not like, just like, oh, this is my, you know, sidekick that I don't actually care about, you know? Right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Batman treats Ace better than we've seen most Robins treated over the years. Yeah, that's true, that's true, that's true. <laughs> a very different Ace than the Ace in, um, you know, Batman mm-hmm. Beyond. Um, yeah. Who I always like to think was named after uh, Ace of the Royal Flush Gang. Agreed, agreed. Um, there was some kind of a reference to Royal Flush Gang in this, if I remember. I'm trying to remember I what it was. Right. but I don't remember what it was. Let me ask you this, though, because one of the things that I was very concerned about, and it turned out they saved it well, was... Because I, I, both from the marketing, but also just from what I know about animals in D.C., mm-hmm. I quickly put together that Kevin Hart's dog was Ace. And I was really wrestling mm. with the idea that a dog that had been part of the Bat family would have somehow wound up in this pound, in right. this, you know, animal prison. Yeah. 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 Did you have any of those worries, or were you just like, oh, this, this can't have been the dog that Batman's owned already? Um. Yeah, I mean, I, like, pretty instantly was like, oh, that's Ace, right, before they, right. they used the name. Um, and... I, I was kind of like, I don't think this, I guess I didn't have the concern as much because mm-hmm. I just felt like that wouldn't have made that much sense, right. you know? Um, and I mean, it could happen, you know? I mean, Robin gets kidnapped all the time, you yep. know? Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, and like Ace escaping and then Crypto being all like, you know, super cop, basically. Yeah. It was pretty much like, oh, Crypto. Oh, it was so what good. Yeah, doing? like I was like, oh, crypto, a cab, man, a cab. Like <laughs> all canines are. Be- oh no. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it also makes sense. I mean, I think that's like the dynamic between Superman and Batman is one of kind of the founding ideals of this podcast. You know, mm-hmm. in terms of like their different approaches to crime fighting and and vigilantism and all right. that. And I I thought they did a great job of having those two characters mirror that, but yeah. clearly in very different ways. Yeah, for sure. And then each having a very – them having a very real relationship with one another and then mm-hmm. also with, you know, their their human companions or their future human yeah. companions. Which I just got to say, uh, Batman was voiced by Keanu Reeves, which also just felt like perfect. And yep. I mean just the whole voice cast was excellent. Um, you know, we've been covering Andor, so we've got to mention Diego Luna as a chip. Oh, the squirrel right? was so good. Was so good. <laughs> with electrokinesis. <laughs> And it's just like, I think sometimes there's a perception, especially in stuff among young people, that like mental illness or just kind of like, you know, not being like completely the most brave is is a white thing. You know, that's for like Mm. rich white kids. And so having this very um, uh, Latine, Latine coded squirrel um, with with Diego's accent, having a lot of anxiety and having kind of be the scaredy cat of the group. I really loved because it was just like, yeah, anybody of any background can like just be – a little scared of situations because yeah for sure you're, you're used to this like small little environment and now you're out in the big bad world and there's guinea pigs who can summon lightning and right. all this stuff and it's terrifying and you can summon lightning <laughs> right it's yeah it's like how does this work <laughs> yeah yeah it was just in, in a lot of ways it, it to me this kind of fits into the same category of the lego movies but mm-hmm. kind of like Lego movies, I feel like, are very focused on parody and self-referential stuff, whereas yeah. this is more kind of like a loving tribute uh, yeah. or a loving like – yeah, but with a little bit of parody in it. And But to me, it, all, it was just like – it was exactly 
if I wanted to sit down and really like wrestle with the questions that Batman and Superman wants to wrestle with, this is not the movie I want to watch. But if, when I, I watched it, because I was like, I just want something entertaining and it'll mm-hmm. maybe make me think a little bit. And this is absolutely the movie, you know, and I can imagine myself rewatching this movie. You know, not I'm not going to watch it four times in a week, yeah. um, but I'll probably watch it once a year or so, you know. Yeah, yeah. It. Um, I I'm curious to see how how it will age for me. I had planned to rewatch it. I I didn't end up partially because of time, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit because of motivation. I was just like I didn't feel quite ready to watch it again. Also, I wanted to rewatch Appa's last day, Lost Days, because right. oh geez, Appa's Last Days sounds depressing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not that Appa's Lost Days isn't a very sad story, um, but you know. It ends up okay. Spoilers. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it, I was just like, I need to rewatch that, you know, and I have a bunch of notes on that, which uh, we don't have to get into yep. all of those, you know, but, um, but yeah, it, it like, I, I think this movie was fun and then also had some things to say and then also had a few moments that um, really, to me, contrasted with the positiveness. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about some of those. Yeah. Um, so at one point, there's a fire in the pet, I think, store, but whatever the, that place is, right, mm-hmm. where all the animals are. Um, which, like, you know, if it's not a store, if it's more of a shelter, then it's like, I don't know what you're supposed to do aside, like, right. cages, right? But, like, it, that's difficult. Um, maybe fostering is, like, the way to go, but th- that's difficult. But so, anyway, a fire breaks out, and um, I want to get the name right. Uh, yeah pb um who's the you know uh who becomes wonder pig basically right right um which there's still under consideration there's right names still under that's right that's right thank you yes um (laughs) so she like is sort of on fire and then she's like oh no i'm on fire and strangely hungry and I'm just like, I understand how that joke plays to people who like to eat pigs. Right. But, like, you also have to understand that to someone who thinks that, you know, pigs are intelligent social animals, because they are, mm-hmm. and that humans raising them and, and slaughtering them and, like, trying to prosecute people who rescue uh, injured piglets for, like, five years in prison which was a mm-hmm. recent court case that fortunately they actually got acquitted um, despite saying, yes, this is what we did. We took these two injured piglets that you said were valued at $42 a piece and you're trying mm-hmm. to give us five years in prison for doing that. Um, right. And they were acquitted by a jury because the jury was like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Um, but, you know, that 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 basically making like a bacon joke or whatever isn't like that's just that's not cool in this yeah. movie. You know, that's like. That undermines kind of some of the good. And if the rest of the movie hadn't been as good and as positive as it was, um, that would have bothered me a lot more. Yeah. And I'll, I will say as someone who is a meat eater, and I've talked before about I'm moving into more ethical eat, but honestly, if I move into kind of the perfect way of like eating, well, <laughs> if I move more and more into eating only the kind of way I would eat, I'd probably only eat pig because I do think like pigs are um, – in terms of like uh, raising them ecologically, like are far less damaging and can often be like really helpful to keeping land good for other kind of uses, much more so than cows or or chickens and stuff like that. Um, that being another uh, story, but so my, in my terms point of being, like 
environmental impact, right? Yeah, exactly. Stuff like that. And like, you know, that there's uh, there's some great work on that, like, you know, kind of one of the perfect ways to have a fairly like ecologically sound, self-contained farm. Right, right. Uh, is having like a lot of crops you're growing and pigs, uh, you know, and kind of using that to balance the soil and all this kind of stuff. Um, many people are still going to be like, yeah, you shouldn't eat any kind of animals and that's completely respectful. Yeah, but like my only point martyrs, being, but like, yeah, yeah my only point being like as someone who loves bacon, as right. someone who loves pig um, and also wants them treated well and all that, like I, that joke also bothered me. Mm, like, you yeah. know, because it was it was just like, yeah, like I don't – I do think that like – about 10 years ago or so, I was talking to someone who was like, well, I I don't – I can't eat pig. Pigs are like super fun, like wonderful, smart, intelligent creatures. Mm-hmm. I can only eat you know, food from the bacon beast because bacon is just – basically like convincing themselves that bacon didn't come from a pig because that was the way they could only be ethically okay with it. Right. Whereas like I was – you know. A number of years ago, I had a friend who raised goats and butchered goats for meat and, like, loved these goats and treated the goats very well but did murder them for food, as many people would see it. Um, and I made myself I, – I was like – I. he invited me to be part of one of those, like, you know, slaughter sessions, and I did so in part because I was like, if I'm freaked out by this, I need to not be touching meat at all. Right. Um, we're getting into a very different kind of set of questions here, but, like, all, all of which is just to say I think you can be on, like, whatever place you are and, like – yeah, that 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 joke just struck me as really out of as really in bad taste, you know, in terms of like I don't know, I'm not even sure how to quite put it, it into words. But I mean, just, to, as, to me, it feels as, like it's incongruous with the rest of the movie. Yeah, I yeah. think that's fair. I think that's fair. It's like it's sort of this idea of like, I, I guess what it almost made me feel is that like it's a kind of self awareness of like, oh yeah, we are all about like loving these animals as as sentient beings and all this kind of stuff. But also, like, haha, like, we all might kill them one day for food, you know? Right. And, like, I don't think that killing them for food is wrong necessarily, but that feels almost kind of like bullying or almost like just, I don't know. I, I think you put it into words much better than I could, but. Yeah, it just seems like to me it feels like very insensitive. Like, uh, like basically, you know, know your audience, I think. Yeah. You know, I mean, I would say read the room, but, like, they're not in the room with the viewers. But, like. You know, when you're making something that's hopefully going to appeal more to people who like animals more, like maybe mm-hmm. don't make jokes about, you know, killing I mean, them. <laughs> in in some ways, I, I don't think this is intentional, but I could imagine I would put at higher than zero the number of like four or five six year olds who will watch that movie and kind of like ask mommy about the joke and then, then put together right. this adorable creature is bacon and be like, I don't want to eat bacon anymore. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, exactly. I don't, like, I don't even remember why I asked the question, but like, I didn't know that meat came from animals. And when I learned it did, I was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> hard pass on that. Like, uh-huh. we're not doing that, you know? Yeah. Um, I did, though, for like the first six months or whatever of – Otherwise, being a vegetarian, convinced myself that chicken McNuggets didn't actually come from chicken, that they were all artificial ingredients, which I think, like, that maybe has a grain of truth to it. Yes. Right? <laughs> but then then on my sixth birthday, I was like, no, okay, we're done with this. Yeah. So. In the same way that I'm pretty sure a vegan can eat Domino's pizza pretty <laughs> safely, you know? Because it's just <laughs> not made with any actual, yeah. No, yeah. not at all. Um Okay, but so yeah, so back to um, – so what are some of the other things that kind of just hit, hit – were struck a wrong note for you? 
Um, I don't remember it exactly, but there was something that was almost identical to that, but like a little less later on, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and then there was, there was like a little bit about, um, just sort of the, the use of the word pets and sort of the idea that like, you know, these animals and their feelings matter because they might have a connection with humans, you know? Yeah. And um, I thought that wasn't perfect, but mm-hmm. um, th- those those were really my only complaints about the movie overall. Like, I think the yeah. story was like coherent and pretty fast paced, and like, but also like took its time when it needed to. Maybe the third act was like longer than it needed to be, which is like the case with like a lot of things, you know. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, um, I I didn't have a lot of complaints. You know, I had one yeah. very specific complaint that ar- arose maybe twice out of the thing, and. Otherwise, I, I just, yeah. you know, mostly um, really in, enjoyed the movie. Yeah, I think, cause like, like, for me, I think I'm, like, to me, the idea of, like, having an, an animal companion uh, as, as someone who shares your life, like, I have no objections to that. My First, my father and then my spouse has very bad allergies, so mm. I don't, I've never had that myself, but yeah. I always enjoyed the pets of others. Um, and I'm also just like, I don't know if I'd want to do all the care, like, I just... Wouldn't want to do all the caretaking. Yeah, and it's the sort of thing where it's like, if it's not what you want, then you definitely shouldn't do it, right? And then, if you don't want a kid, you shouldn't have a kid. (laughs) Yeah, to me, the things that have always bothered me is when I do see that. Like, we had, I certainly had friends, I think some of them were your friends as well, who had these like very large dogs in small to medium apartments in New York City. Mm -hmm. And I always felt really sad about that because they would just get outside and just be like, you I don't know much about dog psychology and some of them may have been very happy in these situations, but I, I definitely have seen some and I've read some uh, advice from dog experts who are like, yeah, don't have these kind of dogs if you don't have like a big backyard because it's just they don't love not being able to like go out and play. And I think in many ways, I, I think what I liked most about this movie is a lot of it was really about like, yeah, taking seriously the concerns of, of the the other people who share your home with you. Yes. Because um, I think like – it's funny because at the same time I watched an episode of um, another TV show, completely different, not a superhero thing at all. But like there were these two teenagers who went to like a state fair and played, you know, like a shoot shoot water in the mouth of a clown thing and won a goldfish. And it was just like they gave them like a plastic bag with a little goldfish in it. And thousands of those are given away every year. And I'm going to bet that like less than 5% of them are actually like – put into nice bowls and like treated well and let, you know, a lot of them wind up being flushed down toilets or just like not treated well at all. Yeah. Or that just seems like a horrible thing to do. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like every year around Easter time, like, um, animal rights groups put up a whole bunch of things of like, don't give your kid a bunny as an Easter gift. Mm. You know, if, if like in two weeks, the kid's going to get bored and no one's going to want to like take care of that. that animal. Adopt a bunny. Um, If you really want to have a bunny in your life for the lifetime of a bunny. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, I, I, I definitely overall like this movie. It did a lot of things that I really want from a super like putting aside if they're just all like animals or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Just I just thought like movie. as a superhero movie, it was char- like there was probably like five or six characters who had recognizable character arcs mm-hmm. who had motivations that all like it's not Andor level of like sure. character development, but like. Yeah. It's a lot better than some other stuff, you know. For sure. It, like, yeah. there were there wasn't really any moments where I was like, "Oh, come on, that character wouldn't do that," based right. on what you've told us. Like, they painted with very broad brushes. It didn't get into the nuance of like the wire. Yeah. But the broad brush strokes did, 
were all fine. Like they right. all everything lined up. It was a good story. It was coherent. It had a fantastic villain. Yeah. And uh, if they make Super Pets too, and it's about Mercy and Lulu out on their next caper. I'm in. Yeah, like, yeah, I'll watch that. <laughs> and, like, it could be that those two are the antagonists, or it could be some kind of, like, dark, you know, Mercy's Eleven, where, like, you know, like, Lulu's Eleven. And I'll, I'll watch a heist movie with those two doing yeah. some bad things. That, yeah, that, no, I'm, I'm in for a heist oh, movie. Oh, God. <laughs> well, because you already have Harley and her warthog. Uh, or, no, what, what, what's, what's it? Harley has the, a hyena. The hyena, um, yeah. I'm trying to think, if you got, like, a kind of, like, the kind of, like, Right, basically right. Suicide Squad and their pets, you know, <laughs> but like not quite the Suicide Squad level, but just a bunch of like Catwoman, um, Poison Ivy with a plant, not a, a dog, an animal, Harley with her, her hyena, Lulu and Mercy, like, yeah, now I want that movie. <laughs> I, think that'd be I a feel lot like, of doesn't Harley call the hyena Bruce or something? I think so, yeah. Which then is like, does name. she know who Bruce Wayne is? Is that what? No, she just has a crush. Oh. She like because he's like the the she he's like people's most eligible battler. She, she yeah. doesn't know who Batman is. Yeah, <laughs> I think he just called him a battler. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That, but that's Which, the thing. Like, I love in, it. I love it. Yeah, in the Harley Quinn show, they would absolutely make that joke. Yeah, so. yeah for sure. All right, I think uh, it's a good time to wrap up. Any last things you wanted to say? Yeah, just in response to the large dogs in the city thing and dogs in the city in general, um, our, our good friend Logan Grendel, um, mm-hmm. I actually edited a book that they wrote called – I want to find it. Um, mm-hmm. If you just Google Logan Grendel dog book. I, I think it's Putting Paws to Pavement. Yes, yes, that's right. That's right, Putting Paws to Pavement. Um, um, you know, Logan talks a lot about – I'm not, I don't even remember how much of this is in the book or just in our, you know, usual mm-hmm. two-hour conversations, but about how the city actually is a, a really interesting place for dogs because there's, like, right. so much to smell. There's so many other dogs and people to socialize with, right? And, right. like, obviously, y- you don't want to just, like, let them run out in the street and get hit by a car, right? But, right. like, but that it's, that a, a lot of times there is a little bit of a, a thought, oh, the city's no place for a dog. But it's, like, right. you know, that's just a, a, a voice in um, dissent to that to that opinion. Yeah. And I, I do think, like, if you have a shoebox apartment, like, yeah, it's something to give thought to, but... Yeah, and I, I, let me say this. I my understanding is both from what I saw among people growing up and what I've read from like dog experts and and people yeah. I've talked to that there are certain breeds of dog that just really that like one hour of playtime outside the house a day is just not enough that they need like a big yard or something like right, that. Right. And I probably to me that equates to large dogs and it's probably a much like that. It might be more uh, specific or something. Yeah, Logan probably knows much better than than sure. than I yeah. that like yeah, a lot of dogs can do very well in the city. It's just specific kinds of breeds. But it, but but what and what I'm was referring to is is like animals who just it, the clear sense I got was that like whatever care that you could treat them very well in the city but it's a little more complicated than just opening the door to your yard. But these dogs weren't getting that necessarily. For sure, yeah. And so it's – I think it's less like a thing where it's like, oh, definitely don't do this. It's more right. like give thought to this, right? And make sure yeah. that you understand what their needs are and that you have a way of meeting those needs. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I definitely one thing I saw a bunch of was people advertising like, hey – um, you've been working at home for the last two years. Now you're going back to a job in an office. Here's some things to think about, about how your dog is going to feel, your cat's going to feel right. that you're no longer home 10 hours, you know, all the yeah. time. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, just be thoughtful and adjust it. So, 
All right. Well, thank you all for listening. I uh, would love to hear your thoughts. Have you seen this movie? Did you not see this movie? Have we convinced you that you should go see it? See uh, you can find all the ways to contact us on theethicalpanda.com, Facebook, Twitter, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I have some emails back from like uh, some stuff a while ago that I haven't gotten to yet, which I apologize. We definitely will do so. Um, Paul keeps doing awesome things under Zen Madman. Uh, I just watched an hour of a poker stream that was really helpful for me. If you're trying to like get better at poker, that kind of thing. If you're playing in poker games against me, don't watch because like you know enough, you're fine. Uh, <laughs> but like if I'm not in a chance to take your money to poker table, definitely check out Paul's stuff. A lot more writing and, and other stuff that'll be coming down the road. So theethicalpanda.com. Search for Zen Madman in all the places, and most of all, be good to you, all the sentient beings in your life. Thank you so much, Brian and, and Cliffy, for, for joining today and all the days in the past. And also to the yeah. Ethical Panda and um, Zen Madman in the chat. I'm just reading names in the chat. I'm like, wait, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> Robin Hood and Buffy, of course, as well. Um, and Star Special thanks to Zen Madman. I actually I'm just thanked myself. 